0: called Seek, and it's designed to give us different perspectives on on Christmas. Uh, Matt led off last week, did a great job talking about the way of the shepherds. He he made the point that the, the shepherds were driven by experience, not that there's anything wrong with that. There they were, minding their own business, tending their flocks by night, and God shows up. And then as Matt pointed out, and this was new to me, the angels didn't tell them to go seek the Messiah. They just did it. They looked at each other and and said in Luke 2.15, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass that the Lord has made known to us. They got up off the proverbial couch and went looking. They they began to seek. They wanted to. To experience Jesus that was the way of the shepherd today we talk about the way of the magi in our newsletter the the central connection I should have brought one up here with me but uh, the central connection many of you receive it in the mail you can that's another thing you can sign up for on the back of the connection card I want to receive the newsletter in the mail uh, but but the the favorite article everyone's Favorite article. In fact, we did a survey one time uh, and asked everybody what articles they read in the newsletter, which is the first article that they read in the newsletter, those types of things. And virtually everyone, sweeping generalization. Uh, But the vast majority of people read the Making the Connection article first. And it's in that column where we ask a list of questions of one person from the congregation that range anywhere from deep and probing to frivolous. One question is, are you uh, spontaneous or are you stable? And the shepherds would have to answer that question that they are driven by spontaneity. The magi would say stability. The magi were the analytical type we all know a few of those. Uh, and so I looked up the characteristics of the analytical type and, and found that I fell into this category. <laughs> but here are some, here are some uh, character traits of the analytical person uh, they're creatures of habit, they're routine oriented. They tend to be unbiased, which is interesting. And the reason is because they, they're taking in information driven by the information. Um, they're well thought. They're information addicts. They're well read. They're reality based, not emotion based. They're—they're. They're, this was interesting. They're politically incorrect. I got somebody waving at me from the congregation. So... So again, they're driven by information, not political correctness. They're poor marketers. They're they're consistent. They're skeptical, and they're straightforward. I'm I'm that way. I see myself in there for the most part. Uh, I can't just believe blindly. As Ravi Zacharias would say, I cannot believe in my heart what doesn't make sense in my mind. It's one of the reasons I love Christianity. The more I know, the more questions I ask, the longer I'm around, the more I learn, the more behind the scenes I get, the more Christianity makes sense. The way of the shepherds was experiential. God showed up and they went to seek Jesus. The way of the magi is through knowledge. The way of the shepherds was found in Luke 2. The way of the magi is found in Matthew chapter 2. You can turn there with me. We're going to read the first 12 verses of Matthew 2. I'll read it for you. Great passage of Scripture. Very familiar. I would say not quite as familiar as Luke 2. Beginning in verse 1 of Matthew 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard these things, verse 3 says, he was troubled. Verse 4, when he had gathered all the chief priests, when, when Herod gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Where is this ruler that's to be born? Where is, where is he to be born? Verse 5, and they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Now verse 6, it's quoting uh, a prophet, Micah 5.2 actually. And it says, And thou, Bethlehem, land of Judah, art thou now least among all the princes of Judah? And out of you shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Now back to Herod, verse 7. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently. So these wise men that were traveling from the east, he said, when did that star first appear? And he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and search diligently for the young child that's to be born in Bethlehem, as the prophet had said. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him also. Verse 9, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Verse 11, And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, fell down, worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed uh, to their own country via another route. Now the title of the series, last week was part one, today's part two, the title is Seek. The word seek speaks of an attempt or a desire to obtain or to achieve something. It's an ardent search for something or someone. In a way, it it describes all of us to one degree or another. We're all searching for someone. We're all looking for something. In fact, Romans 8.22 tells us that that all of creation groans and travails for the way things are meant to be. We all know it was not originally created to be like this. And we, we all know instinctively that this isn't all there is. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God has set eternity in each of our hearts. We were not created to die of cancer. That's why Jesus healed people. He was showing us the way that it's meant to be. The world was not designed to have people burn in fires or drown in floods or die in hurricanes. That's why Jesus calmed the storm. Babies were not meant to be born with defects. Men were not predestined to be violent or greedy. We all know instinctively, in our heart of hearts, that there's more. There's a reason that we're compelled as a human race to explore, to search for more, to seek. All of creation longs for the way that it's meant to be, you know. I think of whenever I I I start down this train of thought, I think of Bill Gates, and Bill Gates is the man who founded Microsoft, made you know billions upon billions of dollars, and that's not an exaggeration. He more than fulfilled all of his dreams and all of his aspirations, and then retired abruptly at the age of fifty-two. To run the bill in Melinda Gates Charitable Foundation. So, so why does he get out of his original thing? Okay? Uh, you know, the thing that for him it was it was really all about, in this case, computers and business, to do something else. And why something philanthropic? Why something charitable? My theory is. And this is my theory. I didn't get this from Bill Gates. But my theory is the original dream, whatever your original dream is, whatever Bill Gates, his original dream, anyone else, even when it's attained, even when it's conquered to the nth degree as his was, it leaves us empty. Even though we accomplished everything that we dreamed of, we are still somehow left unfulfilled. So in our desperate search, we flip it over. Instead of getting, we think, I'm supposed to give back. So Bill Gates, with his billions and billions of dollars, somehow left a little unfulfilled, or he would have continued in that, right? But instead he retires abruptly, flips it all over. I've been blessed so much, I must be, and I have this void, this sense of emptiness, this sense that there's more. Maybe I'm supposed to take my blessing and, and give back. Perfectly natural thought. The only problem is, then we find that our new pursuit, then we find that our next pursuit, leaves us empty too. The world is not as it should be. We're all searching for God. And that's the title of the series, Seek. And we all search in our own way. But no matter what you do and no matter what you accomplish, unless you're in the center of God's will, using the gifts and the aptitudes that He wired into you, doing what He called you to do, it will be unfulfilling no matter how philanthropic, no matter how charitable, no matter how noble the cause might be, it will be unfulfilling. You out there? All right. We're all seeking the perfect will of God, whether we know it or not. That's what we seek. Some thrive on experience. They're doers. They're not afraid to jump in and see what happens. It doesn't, it doesn't do much for them to think about it or to talk about it. They, they have to do it. They're experience-driven. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Amen. But some of us are more linear and analytical. We're not the ones who, who jump into a philosophy, a religion, a loan, a contract, without first doing Due diligence without first investigating, reading, and researching. Some of us are driven by knowledge and reason. And Christianity appeals, I maintain, to the intellect. Christianity is relevant, Christianity is coherent. Christianity is sustainable. Christianity is livable. It's not something that must be followed blindly. And that means a lot to an analytical thinker type person. Hebrews 11.1 defines faith for us. It says this, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, if you you think about it, if you peel back the layers of, to that verse a little bit. Faith is substance and evidence. And that's what the Magi needed as they began to seek the Messiah. So who were the Magi? We know that the Magi were wise men from the East, according to Matthew 2.2, 2, most likely from Persia, which is modern day Iraq, Iran area. This means that the wise men traveled Think about this. Up to 900 miles seeking the Christ child. Most likely the Magi knew of the writings of the prophet Daniel, who in time past had been chief of the court seers in Persia. Daniel 9 includes a prophecy which gives a timeline for the birth of the Messiah. and The Magi may have been aware of the prophecy of Balaam from the Bible, who was from Pethor on the Euphrates near Persia. Numbers 24, Balaam, uh, his prophecy specifically mentions a star coming out of Jacob or a star coming out of Israel. The Magi were were Bible scholars. The Magi were expert stargazers. The word Magi was first used of a cast of priests and wise men among the Medes, the Persians, and the Babylonians. The Magi were students and learners. They read and they studied and they acquired knowledge, the Magi. Tradition holds that there were three wise men. Check out your nativity set. Three. But there's no biblical basis for that other than the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But rather than three lonely souls wandering through the Arabian desert on camels, the Magi were much more likely to have come thundering into Jerusalem on Arabian stallions, accompanied by soldiers bearing weapons. There may well have been a substantial entourage accompanying several, even many, Magi. It's another common misconception That the wise men visited Jesus at the stable on the night of his birth. Again, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Here we find another error in your nativity set. The Bible says that when when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to, to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The wise men probably came months, possibly even Years later, that's why Matthew 2.11 says that the wise men uh, visited and worshipped Jesus in a house, not in a stable. If the star first appeared on the night of of the birth of Jesus, it would be reasonable to assume that it was a year or more after his birth before the Magi arrived. After all, it would take time for them to figure out what the star meant then it would take time for for them to decide to make the trip after all these are investigative magi not impetuous shepherds not that there's anything wrong with that then they would have to organize the trip and then they would have to travel 900 miles after they had visited with Herod they went their way And when they saw the star, the Bible tells us in the passage that I read, they were overjoyed. The star they had seen in the east and went ahead of them until it stopped over the place, the Bible says, where the child was. It does not specify Bethlehem. The Bible says that Herod told them to go to Bethlehem, but that's because of the prophecy that said, the child would be born in bethlehem but the bible never says that's where the magi went in matthew 2:16 we see herod was thinking the child might be as much as 2 years old when the magi were returning to their homeland based on when the star was first the star first appeared which explains the directive of herod to kill every child 2 years and younger it's no stretch to assume Jesus might have been a year old or more by the time that the Magi came to worship him. The Bible says that the Magi found a paes, which is P-A-I-S, which means a small child. The shepherds found a brephos, which speaks of an infant. Who are the Magi? The Magi were men who studied And believed God's word. They were learners. Who were the Magi? The Magi were were men who recognized the worth of Christ. Now think about this. Based on their study. Based on their research. Based on the information they gathered. They determined Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And he was worth the trip. Third, they sought Jesus. Their actions were not spontaneous. These these were men who thought it out and determined it was worth it to seek out Jesus. They acted based on their reason and their intellect. They searched based on knowledge, not just experience. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And number four, they humbled themselves to worship Jesus. We we use the term magi and wise men. These were truly wise men because they knew to bow and worship. There's a lot of wise men in the world today who are really fools. Every once in a while, not as often as as you might think, uh, I, I run into someone who claims to be an atheist. A theist is a person who believes in the existence of God. So by definition, an atheist is the antithesis of that, a person who believes there is no God. Now, whenever somebody tells me that, that they're an atheist, I, my first response is, God doesn't believe in atheists. <laughs> and I like that because it kind of breaks the, the tension, and, it, and it's a good basis for the rest of the conversation uh, but then my my next question I- is this I ask them what percentage of all the knowledge in the universe they think they possess so so what percentage of all the knowledge in the in the universe do you think you you possess from the from the, the realm of geology and astrology and economics, the, the microscopic subatomic world, all the governments of the world, linguistics, mathematics, computer science, medicine, philosophy, ethics, theology, history, botany, and, and all the rest. And most, you know, will readily admit that they possess precious little of it. But let's be generous, and we'll give you 1%. And if you possess 1% of all the knowledge in the universe, you're far beyond a genius. That, that's what I would maintain. And, and most will readily agree to that. Well, if you, if you possess 1% of the knowledge, and if you're intellectually honest, big if, by the way, you have to admit then that in the 99% of the knowledge that you do not possess, that there could be a God. That means you're not an atheist, you're an agnostic. An agnostic is a skeptic, someone who doesn't know if there's a God or questions the existence of God. And, 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 and I believe That if you honestly seek God as an agnostic, using the mind that he gave you, you will find him. Now the the key words in there are intellectually honest, and if you honestly seek him, the thing I'm afraid of is that a lot of atheists don't want to believe that there's a God. So you're coming in with a predisposition. I readily acknowledge, I come into the discussion predisposed. But they have to acknowledge they come in predisposed uh, as well. So there's lots that we can learn from the magi. First of all, we are to be students and learners. Okay, one of the I, I believe in modern Christianity we've neglected the mind. The emotions are flying high. That's why music is such an important part of the modern Christian mo- movement. Because emotion is so important to us, but we've neglected the mind. All up and down the East Coast, as the United States uh, was birthed, and, and all these colleges that are still present today, those, most of those were Christian colleges. Most of those were schools of ministry. The Christians back then were, were the cutting-edge intellectuals. And somewhere down the line, we surrendered that. And, I, and, and the Bible says, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And it's time we engage the mind as the Magi did. So be, be a student, be a learner. This is what we call a, a disciple. A disciple learns and grows and he studies and he enrolls. That's one of the, When you look up the original language, the word uh, disciple, it's one who enrolls. I'm encouraging you to enroll whether it's Sunday school, whether it's take five, enroll, whether it's connect group, enroll in all the opportunities that there are for you to learn and to grow and to become all that you can intellectually uh, for the kingdom of God. Uh, we're also So we're to be students and learners. We're also to obey what we learn. Learning the truth without applying the truth is useless. James tells us, Faith without works is dead, being alone. At some point, we have to do something with what we've learned. And I'm afraid that in the realm of Christianity, we know a lot and we don't do much with it. It's time that we put feet to that. Obey what you learn. Number three, be willing to embark on the journey. After you learn, you have to be willing to to experience the adventure. And so here's where the the shepherds, the world of the shepherd and the world of the magi kind of collide. We have to be willing to take the knowledge to obey and, and to embark on the journey and begin to experience it with the kingdom of God. You know, there's always that guy who's a lifelong student and never gets a job. Right? We all know that guy? Lifelong student... Never gets a job. Don't be that guy. Embark on the amazing journey of faith and life we call Christianity. It's one of the things that I think, and my perspective is skewed, but it's one of the things that appeals to people about Central Assembly, I think. We're all on the journey. We recognize we're all on the journey. We're a pretty... Motley crew. if you get right down to it. We're all dysfunctional, right? If you're dysfunctional, raise your hand. No, no, no. <laughs> but we're all on the journey. We're all in a, in a different place on the path, but we're all heading in the same direction. And what we've discovered is it's better to travel together. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for these folks that are, that are here today. And we have all different kinds of people. Some of us are experience-driven. Some of us are, are feeling-driven. Others are, are more intellectual and reason-based. They have to work it out in their mind before, before it can make sense to them. Some of us are emotionally driven. Some of us are spontaneous. Some of us are are stable and and, and rational and intellectual. We all have a different perspective. And the gospel appeals to all of us in a different way. It it appealed to the shepherds one way. They got up off the couch. Hey, let's let's go find out about this. Meanwhile, the magi are studying the books, the patterns of the stars, the prophets, and what they said about a star coming out of Israel. And in time, they would embark on the journey that would bring them into the presence of Jesus. Lord, we acknowledge this morning that we're all on a journey too. And today, that journey brought us into this place, into your presence. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to everyone that's here. They're here for a reason. It's not by accident. Lord, I pray that you would become even more real to them than you have been. I pray that Christmas 2018 would be a magical season, not because of the gifts we received not because of the time spent with family, although those things are important, but because of the one we encountered, whose name was Jesus. But it's interesting to me, Lord, that both the shepherds and the magi sought you. They made their way into your presence. And so, Lord, even the Bible says As we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. It seems as though there's a part that's required of us. So we're here today, Lord. And I pray for the one that has yet to experience you, has yet to discover you. Lord, I pray that they would surrender their heart and their life to you this morning. We spoke earlier of that heart in our hands, that we offer to you. Lord, I pray that today they would know, they would have an assurance that their heart is safe in your care. We give you thanks for the Christmas season 2018. In Jesus' name, amen. Special treat as the service ends today.